Good morning, everybody. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Thank you to all the team that's helping this live stream go on. We're practicing good social distancing, six feet apart. We have a tape measure. Somebody's measuring. Uh, I don't want to go to jail. So we're doing the right things, just in case anybody's worrying. We're making sure that we're keeping it, keeping it like that, keeping it real, doing it the right way. So good to be with you this morning. I am excited and encouraged. As I was driving this morning to come to our live stream location, I was just encouraged by recognizing and realizing that so many people were going to be tuning in to this service and others like it going on all around the world to be encouraged, to be inspired, to hear the gospel, and to, to hear what God is saying to us. Very, very uh, exciting time to, to tune in with you. So I'm so glad you're here. Uh, maybe not in this room, but you're here in spirit and we're together engaging with God's word and hearing what he has to say to us. So real quick, I want to give you a few announcements. Uh, and and uh, if you're not familiar with this, we actually do have content for the kids of all ages available in the post here where you're watching this live stream or on the page where you're watching it. You can find links to the kids content for all ages. That's available for kids. Keep your kids happy. Keep them engaging in God's word and learning at the same time you are. And we have some exciting stuff this week. We have a little bit of a rhythm that we're developing uh, as a church online tomorrow morning, or not tomorrow morning, but tomorrow at some point we will go live with the Monday moment where I'll kind of give some uh, practical application and some thoughts about today's message. So come jump into the Joy Church public Facebook group for that. Then Wednesday night at 8 p.m. we have our midweek Bible study. It was a great time the last two weeks. Can't wait to see you there. That's on the Joy Church Facebook page. So go to that page at eight o'clock on Wednesday and I'll be going live. And then Friday night, we also have kids story time, which is a whole lot of fun. Uh, Pastor Becca and Nate, they do a story time for uh, all the kids and you can invite people to it, invite your kids. It's wonderful. My kids love it. They're ecstatic. And uh, that's happening Friday nights. You can, you can go to the uh, Joy Church Facebook page to find out more about that. One other really exciting announcement we have for you today is that we are kicking off digital joy groups and there are new groups opening uh, right now. You can go to the Joy Church Facebook page and, and even uh, in the comments on here, I think people can start sharing. We can, uh, you can join a Zoom group and begin to connect and study God's word and get into a group. We're really, really excited about that. If you are a joy group leader or you're someone who wants to be one, get in contact with us. You can write us at info at joyeugene.com and say, hey, I want to start a group. I want to get involved with a group and we will help you get connected. We want to keep growing in God, keep becoming better disciples and growing in Christ as we go through this time together. So really excited about that. And last but certainly not least, it's an opportunity for us today to be generous and to give. And so I want to invite you, even through this time, to adopt a posture of faith and generosity. That is what we do as followers of Jesus. You know, Jesus talked a lot about money. Why? Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart goes. Uh, a lot of people say this the wrong way. They say, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. That's not what he said. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And so we actually, we actually link our heart to what we invest in. And so for me, for my wife, for our family, we have made a conscious decision every month to be generous because we want to invest our treasure in God's house and God's kingdom. And so this is our opportunity to give. You can do that in a couple of different ways, but the easiest way is to go to joyeugene.com slash give. That's joyeugene.com slash give. And we have online giving. You can text to give. You can learn all about that. I think you can do barter. You can trade camels for, uh, no, I'm just kidding. You can't do that. But you can, you can use all those tools there. So let's go ahead and pray for that. And then feel free to, 
take that opportunity now or uh, throughout the week. Father, we thank you for the gift. We thank you for the giver. I pray your blessing, Lord. I know that many of us are experiencing some economic hardship, uh, maybe the loss of a job, uh, Lord, maybe a uh, slowdown of work, maybe uncertainty with finan finances and, and even the future of the economy. But Lord, I thank you that we do not just belong in this kingdom and this is not just our economy. We also participate in the economy of heaven and we trust in you as our provider. Uh, it's not our job that is our provider. It's not our skills that is our provider. It's not the economy or the government. Lord, it's you. You give us uh, everything that we have, and we turn it back to you as good stewards, and we trust in you to provide for us in our needs. We give you this, this time. We give our offering to you as an act of worship. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, hey, I am excited to jump into the message today. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week and talk about the fact that trouble knows your name. With trouble, it's not if, it's when. You're going to go through circumstances, and you say, well, Pastor Jake, can you prove that to me? Like, I feel like you're all doom and gloom. No, listen, Jesus is the one that said this. We talked about this last week in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And we go, ah, I like peace. Peace sounds nice. I need some peace. But he's not finished. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Oh, I don't like that one as much. But take heart, he finishes, I have overcome the world. And if you missed last week's message, you can watch that probably somewhere on this page you're on replay or go to YouTube and see the replay. But Jesus is the one that said, it's not if, it's when. In this world, you will have trouble. Whether you're looking for trouble, as sometimes some people are. I've looked for trouble in my life sometimes, and I definitely found some. But other times you're not looking for trouble, and trouble finds you. Trouble knows your name. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And so what matters for us today is how do we get through trouble? How do we maintain our trajectory and our progress through life? How do we continue to grow, mature, and, and become more like Christ as we go through trouble? How do we do that uh, in the midst of trouble? I saw this on Twitter, I think last week or this week. Somebody, somebody tweeted this out, and I thought it was funny, and I'll share it with you. It says, for millennials, welcome to your teenage years. Here's a global terrorism event to define your adolescence. Welcome to adulthood. Here's a global recession. Welcome to parenthood. Here's a global pandemic. And this person said, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm terrified of middle age. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, millennials went through 9-11. That was like, welcome to uh, your teenage years. And then the 2008 recession, now this pandemic, and they're worried about what's going to happen next. Some of you that are already in middle age, you can kind of shout back from the path and say, no, it's, it's all going to be okay, young whippersnappers. Everything's fine. Um, but trouble... It, it, it happens, right? And you can say, well, this isn't just for millennials, of course. It goes every generation. There's always moments of trouble that take place, whether you're looking for it or not. Now, I want to tell you a story today from Scripture that I find to be tremendously encouraging and tremendously impactful uh, out of the book of Acts. This is a, a story about the Apostle Paul. And if you're not familiar with Paul, Paul was a guy that was actually totally against Jesus and his followers in the first century. Paul was actually named Saul, okay? And you're like, why do we have a name change here? Well, I'll explain that in a second. But he was a man named Saul. He'd been trained as a, as a rabbi. Uh, he, he was highly trained in the Jewish faith and religion. He was very uh, zealous for that. And he was a, a brilliant guy. And he was very much against this new thing that they called the way. It was what we now know as Christianity. Saul was very against this. And he actually persecuted even so much as participating in the murder of one of, the, uh, one of the, the early Christians, a man named Stephen. And so Saul was adamantly against Jesus. 
But Saul has this moment on the road to Damascus one day where Jesus shows up and actually says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goad? Is it hard for you to kick against the, the he's talking about that cattle goad, like uh, you're basically, you're, 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 you're uh, refusing to go the direction that I've called you to go. Saul has this total miraculous moment where he sees Jesus, gives his life, he changes his name to Paul, and he ends up becoming one of the apostles. He ends up going around him. This guy that was against Christians, against the spread of Christianity, against Jesus, ends up becoming one of the most adamant, uh, passionate followers and proclaimers of the gospel. He ends up going all around the known world and becoming the, the person that really opens the door for the gospel to go out from just Jewish people and the nation of Israel out to the entire world. So many of us, if you're not Jewish, right, you, you actually owe a, a great debt to the apostle Paul for opening the door. So Paul goes on these missionary journeys. And, uh, and where we pick up this story is in Acts chapter 16, Paul is deciding, where am I going to go next? Where am I going to spread the gospel? What city, what region? And he tries to go left and the Holy Spirit says, no. And, and, and he goes, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go this direction now. Holy Spirit says, no, I'm going to go this direction. Holy Spirit says, no. Uh, but in Acts chapter 16, verse nine, we, we find out that Paul gets some direction. It says that night, Paul had a vision, a man from Macedonia in Northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So verse 10, I want you to key into this right here. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. And here's the key part. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Paul is a man on a mission called of God, literally commissioned by Jesus Christ himself in this supernatural conversion event on the road to Damascus, where his whole life shifted. He says, you're going to carry the gospel. You're going to be someone who preaches. You're going to be, uh, you're going to follow after me. Paul is doing his mission and he's literally a person guided by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to catch this. The Holy Spirit is guiding his, mo his movements and his motion. You, you can't go this way. You can't go that way. And then he sees a vision, uh, you are going to go to Macedonia. And so it says, we decided to do that. Having concluded, it was God calling us to preach the good news there. So I want you to mark this because we're going to come back to this. He's doing everything right. Trouble knows your name. Trouble will find you even when you're doing the right thing. Okay. It's not because you're a bad or you're doing one thing or you're necessarily looking for trouble. It will find you even when you're following God. So I want you to, to mark that. And then we jump ahead in the story. So Paul and who he's with, Silas, they end up going uh, to Macedonia. And it says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, this is verse 16, if you're following along here, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. This girl is demon possessed, but it's this spirit that is inside of her has given her the ability to tell the future. And it says she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And I just want to add some commentary, not in the original text, no, duh. If you can tell the future, you can make a lot of money. How many of you would love to be able to tell the future and get, you know, the, the, the stock report a day early? This is what the market is going to do tomorrow, right? Especially now. You go, man, I'm, I'm putting it all on black. I'm putting it all on red. I'm going this direction if you could tell the future. So of course, this is highly lucrative industry. She can tell fortune. She can predict the future, but it's because she's possessed, okay? So She's of benefit to other people and of benefit to her masters, but of course, she's not doing well. She's possessed by a demon. Verse 17, it says, she followed Paul and the rest of us. So this is 
the author of the book of Acts is a man named Luke. He's, he's with him. He's writing this here firsthand. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Okay. She's shouting out. These are the servants of the most high God. They've come to tell you the way of salvation. She's not wrong. This is accurate, but it's actually causing a problem because she's blowing it. She's, this demon is not trying to help them. It's trying to use this poor girl to cause a disruption and cause this, this scene, cause a commotion. And it says in verse 18, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated. I want to talk to parents that are stuck in a house with their kids. You know exasperation. You can, you can live this scripture. <laughs> Your kids are following you along shouting, mom, 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 I want to eat. I'm hungry. We just ate 10 minutes ago. It doesn't matter, right? Exasperated. And so he turns and he says to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. Okay, this demon is, is trying to cause commotion, cry, trying to cause disruption. And I used to read this and go, why do they try to tell her to be quiet? She's telling people that they're going to help them find God. But this is not, this is not good. This is, a, this is something where this demon is causing commotion and causing disruption. And I think about kids sometimes, they don't have a filter. And maybe you have friends that are like this, because I have friends like this too, where you're like, shut up, shut up. You know, you're in a moment you're in some kind of a situation and they're talking loudly, maybe about someone who's approaching and you're like, shut up, you know? And I'm very nervous. I'm kind of one of those nervous fingernail biting people who gets very nervous in social situations that, that anyone will get their feelings hurt. And, uh, and so some people, they just like, be quiet, please. Uh, I remember a, a situation that happened where my daughter, bless her heart, if she's watching, I love you, sweetie, but I'm telling this story. We were recently in Mexico and we go up to the airport uh, ticket counter on our way back and we're checking bags. And of course, the good people that are processing uh, our situation there, they have to ask you questions like, did you pack your own bag? Did anybody give you anything to bring home? Do you know all the contents of your bag? And of course, what you say, if you're not a terrorist, which don't be one, okay? That's my lesson for today, right? If you take that away, you're blessed, okay? If you're not a terrorist, which I am not, and I'm guessing you are not, uh, you say, yes, I packed my own bag. No, nobody gave me anything to put in it. And yes, I know all of the contents, right? This is not hard. One, two, three, let's get on the airplane and go home. Except for in this moment, the, the, the person helping me, the ticket agent, she said, did anybody give you anything to bring home? And I said, no. And my dear sweet daughter pulled my hand and said, dad, dad, remember they did, they did. And in this moment, I felt like Paul but there was no demon to cast out. It's my child, right? Uh, this communication that was completely out of sorts. And so I had to try to like very awkwardly explain, no, 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 she's, she's mistaken, which of course makes me look guilty as sin. How many of you know, sometimes the wrong communication, the wrong person talking in a particular situation can be very uh, problematic. And that's what's happening right now. You know, kids will do these kinds of things where they'll shout out like about somebody's uh, ethnicity or their race, We'll be in the car. We'll pull up to uh, the, the coffee stand and my kids will shout, hey, that person's fat. You know, and I'm just praying to God. This is where my deep prayer life comes in, you guys, that they didn't hear. Okay. So if you have kids or you have friends that have a big mouth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is the trouble that's going on. So Paul gets exasperated and he, he casts out this demon. Okay. 
So he's doing something good. And I want, to, I want you to understand that for this lady, this becomes a moment of salvation. And that, that's a theme we're going to look at throughout this message. But for her, she's being used, okay? She's being controlled. She's being manipulated. And she's a victim. She's not the problem. It's this spirit and these evil masters that are controlling her. And I just want to tell you, sometimes God brings you into troubling situations because he wants to help somebody else around you. I'm preaching good right now. Don't shout me down. Okay. So he casts out this demon. She gets some freedom. But listen in verse, in verse 19. This is a great story because there's just so much drama here. It says, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. And I'm just going to tell you right now, when you mess with people's money, especially power-hungry uh, institutions, when you mess with authority, when you mess with government, can I say that? When you mess with the big dogs, you better be careful, right? Except for as a follower of Jesus, you're kind of called to be a little bit subversive to help the oppressed, to help the weak, to help the people that can't help themselves. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. And it says, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are, are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now, this isn't true but this is what they say. It's an accusation. It says in verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. How many of you hate that when that happens? I hate it when I'm, you know, when I go out in public and I get stripped and beaten with wooden rods. It's just, it's my least favorite thing that happens to me. Verse 23, they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. We need the people that play like Dungeons and Dragons to explain what the inner dungeon is because I, I just don't know. Hopefully some people laughed at that. Okay, we'll see. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now I want you to just mark this for a second. What a weird response to trouble. Like when I get, and I don't, but I'm being facetious, but if I get beaten with wooden rods, stripped, not naked, but naked, right? If I get stripped naked and I get beaten with rods and I'm thrown into jail and not just jail, but like jail number 2.0, the inner dungeon. I, historically, we've, we've been able to do, the, the archaeologists that have dug up these prisons and actually found these, they, they found out that the way that they would actually clamp them down, when it says they were clamped down, when it says they were chained, what they would have been, what would have happened is they would have been laid on their backs with their arms out clamped to the floor, chained to the floor. They're not standing up in chains, having a worship service. They literally are flat on their back in their own excrement. There's no bathroom breaks at the prison here, guys. Okay. Now I don't want to be overly graphic, but I'm talking about you're laying in your own mess. You are in jail. You are uh, basically waiting to get something very, very much worse than coronavirus because you're laying in your own filth on this dungeon floor. You've been beaten to a bloody pulp. And the response that they go into is not to complain, not to whine, not to get on Twitter or Facebook and get mad. They don't have Netflix to get through quarantine. They, their response here is to begin to praise and sing hymns to God. I'm talking about a real kind of faith, a real kind of religion, a real kind of Holy Spirit kind of passion that these people have. This is different than the kind of faith that you go, oh, I get, we can't have church on Sunday. So what, what am I going to do now? We can't even be Christians. Come on, guys. Come on. 
This is a real type of passion, a real type of thing. There's something at work on the inside of these guys that allows them to face the most horrendous circumstances, the most horrendous trouble, and yet they're on their backs, clamped to the floor, but they're praising God. They're singing hymns to God. It makes me want to worship right now because if they can worship chained to the floor, I can worship sitting in my perfectly uh, heated house with a bunch of beef jerky in the, in, the, in the pantry and worship God even in the midst of this trouble we're going through says they were beaten, they were in the inner dungeon, they were clamped, uh, their feet in the stocks, and they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. You know, there's always somebody listening to how you respond to trouble. There's always someone observing how you act, how you react, how you respond to trouble. If you're a follower of Jesus right now, let me just crawl up uh, crawl up here and just kind of challenge you a little bit that you might think, man, I'm just like everybody else. No, Jesus said, if you're part of his church, if you're part of his family, you're a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. People are looking at you, watching you. They know that your goody two shoes go to church on Sunday. They see you get up a little bit earlier than everybody else. They see that you're not watching NFL red zone pass or whatever. They know there's something different about you and they're watching you. They're listening. You might not realize that you're being observed, but you are. You're, you're, you're a witness for Christ and you're either doing a good job or a poor one. And that's for all of us followers of Jesus. The prisoners are observing. They're listening to their response. Right now as followers of Jesus, how are we responding to a world in crisis? Are we like running around like the sky is falling, the sky is falling like chicken little? Are we panicked? Are we, are we uh, responding in anger? Are we the ones down there fighting someone in a viral video to get the last shred of toilet paper because you care more about your own mm, than you do about other people? Hello, preaching good today. Come on. Is it okay to say this on a live stream? I'm not filtered because nobody's, you know, nobody can respond. I can't, I can't see the disapproving glances from religious people in the audience. So I just go for it. Come on. The guys here like it though. Okay. So the people are listening. They're watching. You have an opportunity here to inspire. You have an opportunity here to, to preach the gospel and use words if necessary. You have an opportunity here to make a difference. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. Why? Because God is up to something here. It says all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. We could over-spiritualize this, but I'm telling you right now, there was freedom in the atmosphere when you respond supernaturally to natural trouble. When you take an opportunity to respond, not in a normal way, but an abnormal one, meaning you're chained down, you're in trouble, there's problems, but instead of complaining, whining, cussing, freaking out, getting mad at your kids, kicking the door down because you're stuck with your spouse that you really haven't had a good relationship with for the past five years, and now <laughs> when the tide goes out, that people that have been skinny dipping, you find out. Come on, somebody. Maybe you're in the situation, you know, what, what, is, what happens, but when you respond the right way, when you say, no, God, I'm going to turn my heart to you. I'm going to be somebody that sings even in jail. I'm going to be somebody that worships even in the midst of trouble and crisis and problems. There's freedom in the atmosphere. Praise and panic cannot coexist. 
when you invite the Holy Spirit of God into your life, and listen, you might not even be a follower of Jesus right now, but you're listening to this kid, maybe, you know, listen to this guy talk to you on camera here, and God is speaking to you right now, and you realize, man, I've been, my, what I put my faith and trust in in life is so shaky and flimsy, and you need something real. You need something that, like, is what real men would actually tap into, what real women would tap into, this kind of faith, this kind of reality of, of a religion that you could be chained to the floor and respond in this supernatural way because you need some freedom in your atmosphere. Listen, you're listening to me right now and you're so addicted to pornography and you're freaking out listening to me right now because you can't get freedom. You begin to praise God. You begin to turn your life to Jesus. You're going to get some freedom all up in your atmosphere. Right now, you're having a struggle with alcohol. You're having a struggle with drugs. You're having a struggle with anxiety. Whatever has chained you up, come on, you're in prison, but you need to get yourself with some Christians that actually believe in a real God that responds to this type of a situation. Come on, you need to get some freedom in your atmosphere. I know that I can't hear you, amen, but I know you are because you're hearing right now the Lord speak to you even in this moment. And so they're praising, they're singing God, the prisoners are listening, there's this earthquake, the doors fly open and all the chains fall off. And then the jailer, it says in verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. And he said, oh snap, it's right there in the original text is, oh snap. I'm just kidding. And he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Their freedom became his problem, right? He's going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm responsible to keep these people in jail. That was his job. He was part of the system, part of this, this whole thing set up to keep people locked up. So he draws his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. If you're listening to me today and you are not a follower of Jesus, but you can feel the earthquake spiritually or whatever, hopefully not a real one. We don't need that right now. Thank you, Lord. No earthquakes right now. Uh, But wherever you are, you're listening to me speak and you're not a follower of Jesus. You go, what do I do? How do I get out? How do I break out of this, this, this chains, these chains in this prison that I'm in spiritually and emotionally and even physically? How do I break out of these chains that are on me? Maybe you're a victim like this slave girl and you're being used and abused and you're, you're trapped in a lifestyle that's just, that's, that's manipulative or controlling or whatever it is, whatever your, your chains are, whatever your circumstances are, listen to the words of this jailer the Philippian jailer right here, he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says this, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Now, believe in the Lord Jesus doesn't mean, okay, I believe in Jesus. What does that even mean? I, I, I think thoughts about Jesus. No, the word believe here is, is a change of allegiance. It is to take not just intellectual assent or intellectual acceptance of a particular set of ideas, okay? You might go, does believe in Jesus mean that I believe in God? No, you could believe in God and not be a follower of Jesus. The scripture sa- says to us that even the demons believe in God and they tremble, but they're not, they're not saved, right? They're not Christians. They're not born again. They're not followers of Christ. So what does it mean to believe? It's not just to have an idea and accept the idea that is a part of it, okay? It's to, it's to accept the idea of God. It's to accept the idea that Jesus is God's son. It's to accept the reality and the fact that he died on the cross, 
but then it's not just to accept it, it's to adopt it. It is to live it out. It is to say, I am giving him the lordship of my life. He is now in control of my coming and going. Just like we see Paul, the Holy Spirit directing, we turn over the lordship of our life. Carrie Underwood said, let Jesus take the wheel, right? That's essentially what it is. We, we, we don't just believe something intellectually, we believe it with our footsteps, what we actually live out. We give our allegiance to Christ. That's what it talks about biblically, what real faith, putting your faith in Christ is all about. It's not just an intellectual thing, it is an actual thing. It means your life changes because you now have a new Lord, okay? It says they shared the word of the Lord with them and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. I want you to catch this word immediately. You see this a lot in the book of Acts. When people heard the gospel, when they had an encounter with Christ, there was an immediate response. It wasn't like someday I will respond uh, when it's convenient. It was like immediately I'm going to take steps of obedience. I'm going to actually obey. So belief is not just intellectual. It actually leads to action. Immediately we're baptized. It says he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Because after church, you always eat. That's the rule. It's right here in the scripture. Don't at me, right? This is what it is. He set a meal before them and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Come on. There was a party. There was joy out of this trouble, out of this circumstance. Now, man, I could preach on this passage in, out, up, down, left, right all day. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you five to 10 more minutes of some applications and some thoughts, and we're going to go and eat something delicious. Hopefully you have something good stored up in your house. Those of you that are preppers, you have like 17 years worth of beans. This is your moment to shine. Come on. You could throw a feast for the whole neighborhood, or you could sit there and eat your dehydrated beans. Anyways, number one, trouble isn't always the result of doing the wrong thing. People right now are going, why is God doing this? And the answer is God isn't doing this, but God is using this for his purposes. Why did this happen? Why did I lose my child? Why did I lose my spouse? Why did I lose my job? Why did I lose my keys? Whatever it is, we oftentimes want to assign divine blame for all crisis and trouble. Or we go, man, why are we in trouble? It's because you did this. It's the Democrats. It's the Republicans. Guess what? It is all of us. It's called a fallen world. We're all human beings and we've all been part of the problem. And we live in a broken world. The, the scripture talks about this, the, the, this world that we live in is not the original intention and design of God, which is why when he comes back, it's such good news that he gives us resurrection life and he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. He's going to bring it back and even make it better than it was in the first place. The new, the, the, the recreation, the new creation, the new kingdom of God. But this world isn't in trouble always because of doing the wrong thing. You're not getting into trouble always because you're doing the wrong thing. It's not always because uh, of how bad of a person you are. Sometimes trouble just happens. And it happens sometimes when you're doing the right thing. This is why I wanted us to look at Acts 16.9 before going into this full story, because Paul and Silas were actually exactly where God wanted them to be. They were following the, the will of the Lord. They had asked the Holy Spirit, do we go west? Do we go east? Do we go north? No, 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 no. You need to go 
over to Macedonia. You need to go to Philippi. You need to go to this location. So literally they came to the exact right spot in the will of the Lord. So if you face trouble and you go, oh, it must not be God's will. If you try to divine the will of God based on is there uh, obstacle, is there resistance, you will be wrong almost every time. In fact, oftentimes the will of the Lord leads you into trouble because God has great things on the other side. And we're going to look at that. So number one, trouble isn't always the result of doing the wrong thing. Number two, you can't control what happens. Now, I don't know if you follow Enneagram, if you look into that or Myers-Briggs, whatever, but I am an Enneagram one and I like to be in control. I like to have everything sorted out. I like to have my notes all ready to go when I preach. I like to have everything in order. I don't like to show up in public with my hair all a mess. I like to look, appear to have things under control. And I like to have things under control. Can I, can I get an amen from anybody on here? Control freaks, where are you at? Like, I like to be in control. I like things to be in order. I like rooms to be in order. I like things to be clean and neat and orderly. But I had kids, and so I have to deal with ramifications, right? Uh, I made that choice. It was my choice. And, uh, and Bethany, and we participated, right? It was a, it was a, we, we made that decision. Just stop right there. Okay, come on. So trouble, you can't control what happens. I've had to realize this in life that things go all mashugana. They go all crazy. You can't control what happens. And you'll go crazy. You will, you will kill yourself trying to control the world. But here's what you can control. You can control how you respond. You can't control what happens, but you can control how you respond. This is something that Bethany and I, we taught our students and our interns. We led a Bible college for years and years and years. And we taught our students this all the time because they would come and say, oh, this person said this and they did this and they did that. We say, look, you can't control what other people do, but you can control how you respond. And we all need to learn this lesson right now. You can't control. Well, I don't like this government stimulus package, $2 trillion. Who's going to pay for it? I don't know. But you know what? You can't control it. My friend, you are not in control. You Republicans, you're doing this. You Democrats, you're doing this. You're, you're fighting a losing battle. What you can do is you can, you can do everything that you have the power to do. You can vote, you can protest, you can do what you can do. You can start a blog, you can do whatever you want to do. But you can't control the world, but you can control how you respond to trouble. You can control how you respond. So let me ask you this question. What comes out of you when you get pressed, when you get squeezed, right? We have this really cool kitchen gadget. I love using it. I didn't know how to use it. Bethany showed me, and this shows my, my uh, idiocy when it comes to kitchen stuff. It was the lemon squeeze, right? And you basically, you, you cut your lemon in half, you put it on there and then you squeeze and you can get all the juices and none of the seeds, my friends. Don't worry, we're not doing an infomercial. Plus there's more. You can get two, three, four, seven lemon squeezers if you order today. No, we're not doing that. But I was excited to learn how to do this thing. And it's so cool because you can, when you press that, that half of a lemon, you can get all the juices out to marinate your steak or to go over your German pancakes or whatever you want to use that delicious lemon juice for. I just started a cooking show on here, huh? Ladies and gentlemen. Um, when you get pressed, when you go into the lemon squeeze, what comes out of your life? Right now, a lot of people are getting pressed and you start to see, oh, even in my own life, I'm like, oh, I, I guess I am a little angry. You know, it was masked in prosperity and everything working well. But all of a sudden when things start getting, when you start taking my toys away and my time away, my freedom, and there starts to be things outside of my control and I start to lose my security blankie, I start to get a little mean, a little nasty, a little antagonistic. 
That's what you really are. So what comes out of you when you get squeezed? Is it more grace? Is it more love? Is it more worship? Is it more friendliness to people? Is it more compassion? Is it more patience? Or is it more agitation and blame, blaming and name calling and all this kind of stuff? Is it selfishness? Is it anger? Is it punching people in the face to get toilet paper? What is it? What comes out of you when you get pressed? You, you will go crazy trying to control other people and control circumstances, control trouble, control the world. But you can control yourself. How? Under the power or through the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit, in other words, the output of a Spirit-filled life is self-control. Come on, somebody. We need more self-control. You can, you can control how you respond. When you look at this, what Paul and Silas went through, I know we're getting out of time here, but I want to give you this because I think this is good. I think it's going to help you. Listen to all the things that were done to them. It says in verse 19, they grabbed Paul and Silas. That's number one. Then they dragged them before the authorities. That's number two, right? They started to tell lies about them and talk about them. That's number three. Then in verse 22, number four, we see that a mob formed against them. Okay, so now they have a mob against them. And then the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten. That's five things that were done to them. They were severely beaten. And then they were six, thrown into prison. That's six things. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. That's seven. Seven things in a row that were done to them. They couldn't control. They were along for the ride. And at any one of these moments, they could have made a decision. On number three, I'm out. My attitude, gone. Good attitude, gone. Bad attitude, cranked up to 100, right? Uh, Number four, number five, number six, seven things, seven times something was done to them, against them, against their will. Their freedom was taken, all this kind of stuff. And yet their response is to praise and worship God. Why? Because they are operating under the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit to exhibit and exert self-control when control is coming at them from the outside. Now, let me share a truth with you. You can't control what other people do to you, but you don't have to be controlled by what other people do to you when you have self-control. That's good. That's worth whatever the price you pay to get on this live stream today. Your $1,000 iPhone, boom, we just paid it off right there for you because that is a good thought that will change your life. Other people try to control you. You don't have to be controlled by what they do to you if you practice self-control. All right, number three, God can bring something good out of a bad situation. And I want you to see that in this situation, they follow the will of God. They've gone to Macedonia. They're doing everything they're supposed to do. And God brings freedom for other people. Sometimes your trouble is someone else's salvation. This poor girl that's being controlled, manipulated, exploited, she gets set free from this life because she now becomes not useful to these people. She's free. Maybe she still has to be a slave. I don't know. We don't know the whole story. But, but her oppression is lifted because she's being used and it actually makes Paul upset. He gets exasperated and so he casts the devil out and she is spiritually liberated in this moment. That's powerful. Sometimes the trouble that you're walking through, your trouble is someone else's salvation. Think about that. And if you're, if you're aware, man, people are listening, people are observing, who is gonna see my response to trouble and get freedom from this response? Then the, uh, these prisoners, they get freedom. Maybe some of them didn't deserve it, I don't know. But they get set free. They don't leave, so they didn't abandon. This jailer though, this, this guy gets really touched. His entire family comes to eternal life, comes to faith in Jesus because of the trouble that Paul and Silas went through. Many times our trouble is setting us up for destiny moments 
to make the greatest impact. Listen, we impress people with our strengths. We impress people with our successes, but we connect and we make an impact in people's lives because of our weaknesses. It's in those moments when you're desperate, when your back is against the wall, when you are right up against it at the edge and you respond in a Christ-honoring, spirit-empowered self-control, you respond with worship and with peace and with grace. That is a very supernatural response and it draws people's attention and that brings salvation. Your trouble could be someone else's salvation, which leads me to number four. And I wanna finish up with this, that Jesus took our trouble because he is our salvation. Jesus invaded our trouble. You go through trouble and the way you respond could open up freedom for someone else. Does that sound like a familiar story? The reason it's a familiar story is because it's the story of the gospel. At the heart, at the core of Christianity is a God that, that saw our self-inflicted pain and suffering and trouble and invaded it with perfection, with life, with grace. Jesus lived in our muck and our mire, in our mud, in our mistakes. He was abused. He was rejected. He went through, he was mocked. And then eventually he was crucified. Why? He took our troubles upon him. He embraced trouble so he could bring us freedom and life and bring us peace. Jesus didn't leave us in our mess. He embraced our trouble. Let me finish with this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Isn't it beautiful that in the time of trouble, in the time of weakness, in the time of distress, that we don't have a savior that doesn't understand. He both understands our weaknesses, he understands and sympathizes, he knows our trouble, and he took our trouble upon him so that even if we were to die, when you trust in Jesus, death doesn't get the final word. That even if your trouble were to overpower you and overtake you, there's, there's life on the other side. And Jesus is with us in the midst of our trouble. He didn't sin, he didn't make the same mistakes, but he embraced our mess, our trouble, and because he did that, he was able to bring salvation. And my friends, when you follow Jesus, you can be the same type of ambassador, of witness. We can do the same thing in a world gone haywire that, that is all a mess. When people's nerves are frayed and everything's going wrong and economies are crashing and there's sickness and death and all these types of things, when you have Christ on the inside of you, you don't have to be controlled by those circumstances. You get to be a person that brings salvation into the atmosphere, that brings freedom into the atmosphere. And today, if you're listening to me and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is your moment. And I believe that, that God brought you here to watch this live stream, whether you're watching it live on Sunday morning or sometime later, even years later in the future, the, the God that knows all things, he knows your heart, he knows your mind, he knows your, uh, your comings and goings, and he brought you to hear this word so you could put your faith in Jesus. So I want to invite you to put your faith in Christ, which means not just to believe, to uh, accept intellectual ideas, but to do that and then respond in faith and obedience to those commands. Let's pray together. If you want to receive Jesus, pray. just pray along with me. I'm going to pray for you and with you. You can kind of pray this prayer. Jesus, I confess my sin to you. 
I know that I've not lived up to your perfect standard, but I thank you that you embraced my trouble. You embraced my sickness and sin. You embraced my brokenness and you brought healing. You gave your life for me. You paid the price for my sin. And now I put my trust and faith in you and in you alone. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you every day, every thought, every action. Lord, I put my trust and faith in you. Please give me the grace to follow you as a disciple from here forward. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer, we have a a way that you can respond and take the next steps with Jesus. On this page where you're watching, you can click the button there or the link that says, I have decided. I want you to fill out that card. I want you to do it now. Okay. I want you to fill out that card because we want to help you walk out your faith. Being a Christian was not meant to be done all by yourself. It's not just you and God and this special spiritual thing. When you're a Christian, you're brought into the family of God. And though we are separated physically, we're not separated spiritually. You become part of God's family all around the world. It's the best, most beautiful, amazing family. And you get to be part of what God is doing in the world, but we want to help you take those next steps as a disciple. So fill out that card, I have decided. For everybody else, I'm going to pray for you and we're going to go, go eat something delicious. I pray that you're encouraged. Jesus, I thank you for every uh, one of your followers, disciples from Joy Church and other places, Lord, that are watching today. I pray, God, that you would encourage them, that you would inspire them, and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, we would go into a world of trouble, not troubled ourselves, but bringing peace as we walk out our salvation, as we walk out this trust that we have in you. God, you're good. And even though trouble is going to happen inevitably, it doesn't have to bring us down because we always have the irrepressible, uh, uh, irreplaceable, unlimited power on the inside of us. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside. So God, I pray for your people that they would be encouraged, that they would be inspired, that they'd be filled with your spirit today in Jesus' name and go out and make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Joy Church and everybody else watching, we love you. If you need prayer, let us know. Stay connected. Joy Church, get yourselves in Zoom Joy Groups. Come on, this week, let's let's bring that system down because we're so excited to connect and get into God's Word and study together, grow in community. God bless you guys. Have an awesome day.